Hey, super entrepreneurs. I hope you had an amazing weekend. I'm here today to bring uh, a new segment to the Super Joe Pardo channel where I go through the daily news-related articles and figure out uh, how you can relate that information back to your business, to, to efforts that you're putting in. So these these stories uh, come from all over the world. They come from uh, a, a vi- wide range of business-related uh, sites that I check. And I wanted, you know, so I've been doing working on this for like a month, trying to put all the right pieces in place, the systems in place so that I could do this. And hopefully we'll be doing it five days a week. I hope to be joining you Monday through Friday here on the Super Joe Pardo channel live uh, so that we could talk about these articles and these news stories that um, are really you know important to, to digest and pull something out that you can utilize in your business. Because I'm not going to be the news anchor, but what I want to be is the person that can help you get your business to where you want to bring it to. Um, so today I have five, or actually four articles. Normally I would probably shoot for like three. Uh, we have one about the Brooklyn Nets landing a $30 million deal per, per year. Uh, we have one about retailers bid farewell to layaway. Layaway came back shortly not that long ago, and then all of a sudden it uh, it, it I guess it's it's evaporated. Um, we you know I love Disney, so I wanted to talk about theme parks struggling with attendance in 2020 or 20 yeah 2020 2020. And I'm not sure how it's really news, but I it was an opportunity to pull a lesson out of that uh, out of there. And on the finally, I wanted to end on a positive note. Uh, so entrepreneurship during economic uncertainty and the rise of more entrepreneurs coming out of the woodwork uh, to take control of their own destiny. And uh, I always say, you know, business uh, owning a business isn't for everyone, but I think that to a certain degree that we can all do the things that we want to do to enable us to have uh, you know, something that it drives our passion as well as something that helps our, our wallet, right? And helps our future. So it doesn't have to be all in, you know, I got this one idea and we're, you know, I'm going to die, die on the sword for it. But there is opportunity there. And that's why I, I wanted to bring up a positive story about that. So first, we're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets and how they landed a deal for $30 million uh, for a Jersey deal uh, with brokerage platform Weeble. Shout out to to meet Kevin and and Graham Stephan for uh, having their uh, pioneering that Weeble free stock deal that they so often uh, put out there. Uh, and if you don't use Weeble, you, you absolutely should. I don't have an affiliate link down below, but just go 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 check them out. Uh, great great trading platform. A little more complicated than Robinhood, uh, to be perfectly honest. But what I wanted to pull out here is like, look, we don't all have a thirty, you know, uh, a jersey that we can sell uh, a patch on for thirty million dollars. But there's always an opportunity for extra revenue streams in our business, right? So in this case, the Nets uh, got roughly $30 million per year. Uh, the the previous high set um, dollar amount was for a patch was 2017-2018 with the Golden State Warriors. That was at $20 million per season. And uh, so Weeble uh, just thinks that it's, it's worth that they replace – um, Motorola, who was on the Brooklyn Nets, apparently jerseys, 
um, which had a one-year deal with the Nats for, uh, I guess, well, it doesn't say how much that deal was for, but they said it made up, uh, which cost teams, or the pandemic cost them 40% uh, of their revenue because they couldn't have fans in the stands. Uh, so when you look at we uh, let's see, his question is when you look at what Weeble is doing with de- uh, democratizing access to the financial markets to a younger generation of investors, that lines up with, well with our younger fan base. We have very similar DNAs in terms of our customers and cultures of our companies. So uh, the thirty million dollars, or roughly thirty million dollars. Uh, it looks like it includes their G League team, which uh, is the Long Island Nets, which I did not know. I actually had to go and look that up on Wikipedia. Uh, and so I, I think that's that's really smart to like get creative of like, okay, we have uh, X amount of dollars we need to, to generate, right? And we're not quite sure how we're going to get there. We have a, a huge financial setback. What can we do to 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 mitigate that, right? Maybe it's not just about maybe it's not just about uh you know, oh, just the patch here, but then you, you're like, hey, let's let's throw in the G League. Let's maybe let's roll in something else. So you start looking at your business and like, okay, how do we generate another revenue stream? Do is there a, someone we can partner up with? Is there uh, an event that we can have? Is there something else that we could do to generate that revenue that we might be losing through the pandemic, through the last you know eighteen months of of this? So you look at what the Brooklyn Nets have done. I mean, they, you know, obviously other people, have, other teams have done this in other countries. Uh, other sports do do this a lot. They get the sponsorship. They put the stuff on. What's up, Super? Uh, what's up, Super Denny Decoy? Good to see you here. Um, <clears throat> so there is, you know, there's opportunity for you to figure out, like, what else can I do? What else can I offer? And once I figure out what can I offer, how can I plus that up to make it worth the maximum amount of money. So like I do this with sponsorship decks all the time, partnership decks for my events. You know, it's like what what else can I add that doesn't take away like for them it's going to add a minimal cost to those jerseys to add, like probably like a dollar to 2 dollars to add that patch, right? Maybe, you know, something to that effect per jersey. But they're going to get $30 million in ad revenue or, you know, in revenue, well, ad, technically ad revenue out of it. So I, I think it's just, I want you to think like, what can I do to add another opportunity for my business? And, uh, and, and yeah, so that's, that's what you need to be thinking about uh, when it comes to what, what can I do to add another, another level of revenue? So uh, t- now let's talk about, retailers bidding farewell to something that all just came um like i think i feel like it was not that long ago that that uh layaway came around or came back around uh but retailers bid farewell to layaway as shoppers embrace buy now pay later options now something i pointed out uh in i think quite a few of the shark tank pitches uh pitch reaction videos that i've done is at the end of that, or when I go to actually go to buy, it seems like more and more have, uh, what's that? What's that um, financing option? I want to. I keep wanting to say Square, but I know it's not Square. But it's an. It's like, hey, you, you're gonna get to get it now, and you pay. For, you know, they're taking care of financing for it, and you pay in six, six easy payments or four easy payments of blah blah blah, and it, it'll be yours. 
So uh, this article came out on Saturday. And let's see. In years past, early bird shoppers may have turned to layaway plans to reserve holiday gifts and pay for the purchases over time. But retailers, including Walmart, have scaled back these options. Uh, Instead, many retailers have embraced buy now, pay later options offered by companies like, oh, Affirm. That's who it was. Uh, Afterpay and Klarna. Klarna? Um, RBC Capital Markets estimates that these point-of-sale loans increase retail conversion uh, rates 20 to 30% and lift the average ticket size between 30 to 50%. Well, of course, because people can get now, pay later. So <clears throat> when you um, – I, I, you know, I think that maybe there's something else at play here. It's not just – it's not just the – you know, I get it now. Um, you know, here's the thing. I think that the increase to it is maybe a, uh, a part of the supply chain shortages, right? So to put, to take inventory and put it off to the side for somebody means that you're holding it with the hope that there, somebody else is going to buy it. But you know, when, when things are getting tight and everything's getting tough, um, as far as getting you know revenue in the door, putting something off to the side and waiting you know three, four, five months, six months for people to pay for it is not <laughs> is not going to get it done right. That is uh, it's taking up more floor space. We all pay you know every we, you got to know everything pays rent, so you're you're paying that for that square footage that that stuff is now taking up. Plus you got to have stuff on the shelf, you know. So if you aren't selling like if if you're taking stuff off the shelf but it's not really sold and you hope that they're coming through and paying all the amount and and all of that um i you know i i just i i think it makes more sense to like let's find other alternatives right and that's where like things like a firm you know come has come into play with so many of those websites those shark tank uh business websites um have been right so I uh I I really think that it's a good idea that you know if you haven't already figured out how to get some kind of financing for your customers go to, go look at a firm go check out their website go see what they have to offer for that. I think that's a really good I, I opportunity for you to be able to sell and not put something off on layaway. I mean layaway was more of a Kmart, Walmart, maybe Target kind of thing, but Walmart makes up a huge chunk of the, you know, Walmart and Target alone make up a huge chunk of the retail space. So I, I, I you know, I, I think that if on their end, it's like, hey, we're not able to get this stuff anyway. If our customers are having trouble getting it, we have to help them get financing so they can take stuff off our shelves and and we can get the money today. We need that money today so we can pay, pay the, you know, the increased wages um, the increased shipping costs on other things. So we stay, you know, keep that supply chain rolling. So, uh, think about that for, for your business. What can you do to get some kind of financing options, uh, maybe backed by an firm or offering it yourself? Uh, I don't really like people being the bank, but in some cases, depending on what your operating profit is, it, you know, depending on the type of business that you are, you might be able to bake that into the price and have that opportunity to offer that payment plan. Uh, so let's let's jump. Let's see. We got comments here from Shelly. Shell's in the house. What is up, Shelly? Uh, great info. What can I add to my business to generate additional revenue? Yes. 
Uh, let's see. I, I will answer all questions at the end of the Q&A. Uh, Super, Denny Dequay says, Super Joe, I'm stuck at trying to find the right manufacturer company to make my invention product that can be used by recycled plastic so I can start my Kickstarter campaign. Woo, man. Okay. Um, let's... Yeah, I will. I will come back to these questions uh, at the end. Let me get through. I got two more articles here uh, today. We're going to talk about theme parks struggling with attendance in 2020, not 2021. I thought that it would make sense for them to talk about 2021 and how they've, you know, uh, had struggled through this year, but apparently. Uh, this article said last year wasn't a great for the- year for theme parks. It's like, well, if you weren't paying attention at all, uh, yeah, they, they weren't great. Uh, I mean, Disneyland and Disney World were both shut down for a good chunk of 2020. In fact, Disneyland didn't open until this year. <laughs> so so uh, Disney World opened, I think it was three months or so after after the initial shutdown in March. Um and I think, if I remember correctly, uh, Universal opened up slightly sooner than that. Uh, so, you know, the park's being hampered by maximum capacities and just, you know, people not wanting to necessarily travel. You know, maybe you have a bunch of uh, local market that's coming to your park, but are you getting the people that are getting on a plane and, and all that? So 2020 was a very crazy year that has mostly not ended uh, for for various reasons, but uh, it says uh, the report states 2020's attendance is largely a function of regulatory agency restrictions limiting parks operating days and capacities and not uh, and not pop park popularity and management. So I, I don't. Um, so look, I, I, I'm very much in tune with what with what Disney and Universal do at their parks. Uh, I listened to a, a couple of different podcasts and a couple of different resources talking about their businesses because I'm, I'm always interested in, like, what they got going on. And it's, it's, not, it's not just uh, – it, it wasn't just about regulatory agency restrictions because Disney limited their own stuff, and they have continued to not necessarily go by what their state uh, restrictions are. Uh, when it comes to uh, Florida and Disney World, not necessarily D- Disneyland. Um, the part of the problem that Disney World ran into that Universal Studios didn't necessarily have was, you know, you know Disney World is like a it's a city. <laughs> you know, there's there's so many moving parts in there. Uh, and there's so many people that are needed to be able to make it operate and, and just, you know, keep the gears turning versus Universal. Universal is massive, but Universal is definitely not Disney. It's like two totally different things when it comes to how do we get this started, you know, started back up. And uh, so I, I, I think that part of the problem there is actually more to do with um, – you know, just getting personnel, you know, so in Disney's case, a lot of things didn't come back right away or came back in very limited capacities as far as like shows and food options and all these things. And then they even be able to get the food. I mean, Disneyland, they were, it was basically like, Hey, what do we have to serve for lunch today? Like, well, what did the cast members bring in for lunch? And we'll serve that. Or what, you know, what did the cast members get, pick up at Costco before on their way in, you know, Oh, chicken nuggets. All right. It's a chicken nugget kind of day. It's like, 
these are the kinds of you know constraints that they have been operating through and uh when it comes to your business and and looking back and saying well is uh have have we been have i or or we been operating at 100% capacity the way that we could be or should be um or you know what what has played a role in it i like i said i think that this this report is a little um Un, unjust in the sense that they definitely have staffing shortages, bus driver shortages, uh, hotel staff shortages, food, you know, food prepper shortages. So I, you know, I don't think that this is totally the, the, the full picture, but I want you to think about, okay, well, what, what has been the problem and, and identify it so that we can say, okay, how can we go around that problem? What can we do differently? What could I offer that's differently to generate another revenue source, right? And, and Disney has sort of figured some of that out, right? They, they went through and they, they changed up their, uh, their, their annual passes, right? So they have these tiered annual passes. Uh, they think they used to have like three and, or four, and now they have like seven. Um, they have, uh, they've, they've tampered or t- uh, tempered some of the offerings that they have because of the shortages and enabled them to, to reduce costs in some ways. So just think about all these things. Um, every aspect of your business when you're like, how can I get through the problem that we have right now? Like when, when these are the things that are happening, what, what can I do to get through that? Um, what can I do to go around that? Uh, whatever, whatever it takes to make, make that happen is, uh, is what you need to be looking at. So, you know, identify the problems, identify the shortcomings so you can start to figure out the ways around them rather than just having them in the back of your mind. They weigh you down. They slow you down. It's it's not healthy, and it's not going to help get you where you want to be. So finally today, I want to talk about entrepreneurship during economic uncertainty, why millions of people have started a business during the pandemic. Um, I wanted to, to – you know, this article today, I I wanted to have something that was positive for everybody to kind of, you know, feel, feel good about, uh, this article was back from September 14th. I'll make it a little bit bigger here on the screen. Uh, so during the pandemic, entrepreneurs opened their own businesses at more than twice the rate seen in pre pandemic times. Thanks to government support programs and improved remote technology that weren't, uh, that weren't available during the economic downturns, uh, such as the Great Recession. Yeah, the internet has opened up so many doors. Um, high-speed internet availability to so many more people has opened up so many more opportunities. Uh, here's a here's a success story. So, uh, since its official, it was a uh, where's the name of the business? Oh, okay. Uh, since its official launch in August 2020, LoungeFit has made $35,000 in sales and acquired over 105,000 followers on TikTok. In November, Smith posted a how-to video for those looking to start their own clothing brand. The post helped bring in $3,000 in sales in one day and now has 370,000 views and nearly 65,000 likes. So this actually, this is what caught my eye in this article because I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about it or not. Uh, I like the the style and the the colors and stuff uh, that Andre is rocking there. But something that I think is important to recognize is that 
in our business, uh, likes and shares and views don't necessarily equate to huge life-changing numbers, right? So in this case, uh, you know, he did one post and made $3,000 in sales, and it, and it got him 370,000 views, 65,000 likes, uh, which is awesome, right? Uh, but I would say that, you know, if you're looking at somebody else and you're saying, hey, uh, are, you know, you're, you're getting all these views and you're getting all this attention, is it, is it bringing in enough? Now, if every post he does hits that $3,000 mark, well, you know, start posting every single day and you got yourself a, a, a really crazy, you know, business. Um, but in, uh, was it in August, 2020 lounge fit has made 30, 35,000 in sales. So I don't know if that, Oh, since it's launched. So total is 35,000 in sales. So I, you know, I, I think what Andre, what Andre needs to do there is he needs to go back, look at what, what made that post go, you know, so far, right. It's on TikTok. I mean, it's a lot easier to go on uh, viral on TikTok than it is on almost any other platform. Uh, because of the nature of how fast you know each video is, and you're just moving and moving and moving, but I I think um, when you're when you're just you know I want you to put your I don't I don't want to say skeptical cap, but I want you to put your your thinking cap on when it comes to uh, your your thinking cap on when it comes to whether or not uh, whether or not these you know posts. These views, these likes are translating to enough business because I would say um, probably not. Thirty five thousand is great, but I also wonder: Did Andre already have some kind of following prior to starting that? You know, to have you know to have people that already know, like, and trust him and want to to go and and get in to what he's doing. It is not easy to produce something that people will share. It's not easy for something to produce that something that, you know, will get that widespread hit, uh, out there. But I, 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 you know, I applaud Andre for, for do, going in and doing it. Um, and, and here you go to, 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 to echo everything I just said, cause I, I didn't honestly fully read the article, but, uh, honestly, it's been an absolute roller coaster ride, uh, but I wouldn't change it for anything, honestly, because to come from where I, I came from and to build something like this is a dream for a lot of people. Ding, ding. I mean, creating your own clothing line is not easy. I mean, look, I'm, I'm rocking the super entrepreneur stuff. You can go to shopsuperjoe.com to go get your hats and T-shirts, and uh, and I have more hats and uh, designs coming and books, signed copies of, of my book. Um, but I... You know, I I just think that we just need to make sure that we're putting our our expectations in check, right? Um, and expectations of what other people are are achieving too. Like we see the big numbers, like oh man, I wish I had those big numbers. But you know, in well, in one day that post brought three thousand, and total since last year thirty five thousand, which is a great start to a company that. Um, most, you know, most businesses lose money. Hopefully Andre is keeping his costs super tight so that he's keeping as much of that 35,000 as possible. Uh, obviously he's got costs and things, so there's only so much he's going to be able to keep, but, uh, you know, keep, keep up the great, the great work, Andre, and, uh, keep pushing and keep go again, go back to what worked in that video and figure out like, what was the thing that pushed that video over the top, especially now that you have a year's worth of content that, you know, people have viewed and, and taken in. 
Um, there's, I mean, there's a bunch of other uh, stories here. Let's see. Raven uh, Silas, uh, a 27-year-old in New Orleans, found inspiration for her new business via social media. After being laid off from her job as a marketing manager at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, she said her new anxiety led her to experiment with different uh, coping mechanisms, including affirmations, which she discovered on TikTok. Now the positive statements uh, are used as the base of her handmade candle brand, Breathe in Light, uh, which is, she started in October of last year. I decided to pair the affirmations with the actual candles and people actually liked it. Something just kept nudging me to go forward. Uh, she, uh, she also turned TikTok or turned to TikTok to market her brand. A post from late last year went, that went viral, helped bring in a couple hundred orders within three days. Before then, Silas said she only received orders from people that knew her. I opened my phone and my video had like a million views and was like, wow, didn't expect that to happen. And it probably was a, um, it might have, you know, a few hundred orders is actually a kind of a problem because you got if you don't have the the stuff to be able to to make said candles, all of a sudden you're not delivering on the thing that you're putting out there. So uh, always try to be ready, but don't overextend yourself when it comes to that. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this uh, positive article to end the end the day. So now let's get to. Um, the Q and A of of this. Um, so Shelly was asking, "Great info. What can I add to my business to generate additional revenue?" So I, I think I mean that's an important question you always need to be asking. Um, so Shelly, in your case, if your business uh, is is in social media marketing, right, marketing for other people marketing for other businesses. Uh, look look in deeper to like what well first off what are your competitors offering, right? Are you or even are you even offering what your competitors offer? And when you're looking at what your competitors are offering, ask yourself is this something that I want to be offering? Is this something that I can offer? Is this something I'm trained well enough to offer? Or do I need to hire outside of my expertise to be able to either learn it so I can provide it? Or hire to have other people do it for me. So these are things that you want to make sure that you're um, at least offering what your competitors are. If you haven't gone and identified who your competitors are yet, then you probably should go and do that. Um, Just look in your local area. Start with just your local area. Um, I wouldn't necessarily... Depending on your business and who you're trying to target, you know, try to keep it within that area. I wouldn't necessarily go looking um, too far out, but if you find like, hey, um, I'm offering everything that my competitors in my area that are going after the same potential customers that I am <clears throat> are, um, then maybe start to look outside, see what people in like across the country are doing and different part, you know, different markets are doing what they're offering. And if they're offering the same thing, um, something else that I would look at doing at that point is what can I, where can I niche further in? So if it was, I'm doing social media marketing for small businesses. Cool. What are my local competitors offering? Who are they targeting? If they're targeting the exact same people as me, 
just small business owners, maybe niche in, maybe just go straight for uh, law offices. You know, I'm going to do social media marketing for law offices. And now all of a sudden, like, okay, is there anybody offering that in my area? No? Great. Boom. I'm, I'm off. Off to the races. I'm going to go start just picking up the phone and just calling those, uh, those, those um, law offices that need social media marketing. And maybe target some of that. So, like, do a, do a couple of Google searches. Do a couple of Facebook searches. See if they're doing anything with it. See if they – especially if they had something and it fell off. And they might have that opinion of, like, eh, we did it. It didn't work for us. Um, just because, you, know, you know, what they have might be terrible. I mean, I've seen that. Uh, There was one example where a social media company was like, they didn't know what to post for a company. So they started posting about the weather every day. And I'm like, this doesn't really have much to do with what they're uh, like. Nobody cares what the weather is in the wintertime in a place that's supposed to be a a summer place. You know, it's you got to find ways of, of bringing up the happy memories, you know, and, and getting people, I think it was like a, um, uh, like a, a real estate, like um, rental agency down in, in a in a warm location, and it's like you need to get people. That, and and well, not a warm location. It's a warm location. It's a it, like a like a shore type of place uh, in the Northeast, right? So it's like get people there when you know, or get people to, to to mentally go there. So they're like, hey, you know what? I need to book. I need to book right now. I need to stay. This needs to stay top of mind today. So that's that's what I would look at, Shelly, um, if my if I was in that social media business, you know, working with with uh, business owners or just a, one example of like another way to generate that revenue. Look at what the opp- opportunities are uh, for your from your competitors and then maybe outside of your competitors. And if and if it's just too crowded, then maybe you should get really niche and just go after that underserved opportunity in your market. Uh, so Denny Decoy says, Super Joe, I'm stuck with trying to find the right manufacturing company to make my invention product that can be used by recycled plastic so I can start my Kickstarter campaign. Whoo, Denny. Okay, so when you're looking uh, – I guess let's start first. Where are you looking, right? Are you looking just in your country? Uh, are you looking just in your, uh, like literally anywhere? I mean, I'm not familiar with how difficult it is to to use recycled plastic versus non-recycled plastic for opportunities or for, for uh, manufacturing. Um, but what I am familiar with is manufacturing like of metal products and things of that nature from my trucking, from my where's it at? My trucking, my trucking background, right? So <clears throat> my truck parts background. Um, the, you know, if if they're obviously working with recycled plastic, is probably not that easy. Uh, just a wild guess, considering most products aren't made from recycled plastic. Um, so it, you you really might have a have a, a sticky problem on your hand as far as finding who that manufacturer is going to be. I also don't know if there's 
So, like, if this was food, I've been around food processors uh, before where, you know, the problem that they have with the with anything with peanuts, you pretty much has to shut the line down, clean everything. It's a very intensive pr- uh, process uh, for them to to do deal with anything that has peanuts in it. So. So I didn't know if that if that is part of the problem. Denny, if you could fill me in while we're, while I'm speaking here about what other issue you're ha- or what what issue they're having with working with recycled plastic uh, would be would be awesome. And he says yes, only in the USA and Google. Well, that's awesome. Ding ding. I'm all for keeping uh, manufacturing jobs here in U- the United States as much as possible. Um, I think it's it's very important that we be able to manufacture things here um, long term. You know, I, I I get that there's lots of um, you know EPA restrictions and cost of goods, cost of people, insurance, and all these things, but. I think as we get closer to uh, uh, you know an America that that realizes that like hey we we need to be able to manufacture this stuff too. Um, there's way and and the other thing is is we're also going to be more I would think more apt to care about the environment and how we're producing said factories and and what we're we're producing within the country as far as like forever chemicals and things of that nature. So I, um, I, I'm excited to hear something about, you know, being able to, to, uh, create things out of recycled plastic. I, I forget who it was. Somebody asked, um, in the comments, like, why aren't plastic bags recyclable and what can we do? And I should have actually, I, I might actually have one upstairs. I have a gray bag, a gray plastic bag that says uh, it's printed on it. Like this bag is gray because it was was made with recycled plastic, which is awesome. Um, and I, then I got me thinking, like, is that the reason? Is that all this was about? This this recycled bag thing is is we we can't use you know make things out of recycled bags because it won't be clear or white. Is that is that the hold hold up here to not utilize them? Now I don't know how, what kind of energy cost goes into to utilizing uh, to making recycled, you know, plastic bat ba- or bags that are made out of recyclable bags or recyclable plastic. Um, I mean, recycled plastic in general is a is a whole thing. I mean, I was watching I think a Kirkazar video explaining like why we can't just make everything out of plastic or, or recycled plastic or why we can't recycle most plastics. Uh, maybe it wasn't Kirk's arm. Maybe it was a, a vice video or something like that, but explaining like, Hey, we can't, we, we just don't have the capability of doing that. Um, and most of the plastics that we, we make things out of aren't recyclable. So I'm like, well, why aren't we just making everything out of recyclable plastic or recycled plastic? It seems like it should be a pre- an easy thing to fix, but I'm guessing that it must not be because we probably would have did it already. So um, when you're so Danny, getting back to you, the questions that you need to ask. Um, let's see. Oh, here we go. Denny's trying to find uh, the company to pro. Uh, just oh, just trying to just trying find the company to product. It is a headache. I don't know who to start with. Just trying to find the company to okay. So the company that you're going to make the product with in general, um, 
I, so I would, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, you, so you've been Googling it. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, 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 I'm kind of curious as to how many businesses or how many manufacturers there are in America in general that work specifically with plastic, let alone recycled plastic. So I, I, I'm really not sure. Um, but what I what I would do is I would put together um, I would put together some questions that you have for those manufacturers uh, that kind of check those boxes so you could get to your answer. Oh, a company to produce it is a headache. Okay, to find the company to produce it is a headache. Uh, I don't know who to start with. Um, yeah, I I would um. Like I said, I, I would start with by putting putting some quest, some some questions together, and then going to as many of those websites that you can find that uh, offer this kind of stuff, um, and see if you can send some emails out. You know, get some, put some feelers out, and just see like, is that something that they do right? So you, but you know, I I know that when when I get stuck with something that I'm not like I'm not super certain about it or or this or that. I uh, I end up having to go and create a checklist. I was going to pick up my uh, my book. Yeah, I go and create a checklist of the things that need to be done so that I know what I have to check off my list. And that is, I mean, it just makes it so much easier, right? Because you're just looking at the steps. Like, what do I what do I have to do next? What do I have to do? I also use Trello, Trello.com, T-R-E-L-L-O.com. And just, it breaks those things down. You can put in like templates, um, like template, you know, create that template email and just start sending out those emails. Um, and then if you're not, the ones you maybe not hear back from, pick up the phone, call, give them a call, right? Pick those, pick, pick the phone up, give them a call, uh, see what they got going on. Um, see if it's something that they even are able to take on. Uh, so I would just start with any plastic manufacturer, com- manufacturing company in the U.S. Period, uh, and then maybe see. I don't. I don't know. But if if that starts to look like it's kind of dry, then I would kind of broaden it and maybe look at like. Um, uh, some metal manufacturing companies, right? Uh, and I guess the other, I mean, the other thing is, is I don't know if they, if they have recycled plastic filament for like 3d printers, if that's like an option for you, I'm not sure what your product is. So I, I'm not able to, uh, to, to speak on that directly, but that might be, that might be something as well. Uh, just, it, just enough to get you that, that Kickstarter, um, you know, campaign video so that you can put it out there and say, okay, like we're, we're doing this and like, here's our, our prototype. And, and we have, you know, and hopefully you'll have somebody, if not, if nothing else, you, um, if you don't have a full on prototype just yet, then, and you know, to show those manufacturers getting yourself a 3d printed one, uh, there's plenty of websites like, um, I I would just Google, like, where can I, you know, get something 3d printed, um, if you don't already have, you know, something like that together, um, like some like diagrams or something to that effect to be able to get it printed. So if you get it printed, there might even be a local printer to you. Uh, you get it 3D printed, then you can go and say, okay, look, this is exactly what I'm looking for, uh, and then bake that into into your questions. But I, I would start just with like emailing as many 
plastic manufacturing companies as possible, if not manufacturing companies, and and go from there. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's without having more information. Uh, that's that's the that's the best I could do, and apparently that is good enough. Awesome, awesome. Glad I could. Uh, please, uh, Denny, any questions you have, please feel free to come back and uh, and ask them. Uh, as always, I appreciate all of you. I appreciate you watching. I'm looking forward to doing this. Uh, hopefully, five days a week. Fingers crossed. I, you know, I uh, worst case scenario, I will be here with the super entrepreneur news. If somebody has a uh, a suggestion for what I should call this other than super entrepreneur news. It's very long winded. Um, would be awesome. I was, th- I was trying to think of like send like, Hey, we're going to send it. Like this is the, the super entrepreneur, uh, super entrepreneur, entrepreneurs. There you go. Super entrepreneurs. Um, <laughs> th- that would, uh, that would be, that would be awesome. So feel free to drop that in the comments below or in the chat. If we're still live and you have an idea of what I could call this, so maybe super, super entrepreneur, entrepreneurs. Um, yeah, so I, I appreciate you all. I will see you all tomorrow. We actually have a live video, a video going live right now. There's a Shark Tank video going live right on this channel right now premiering. So I'm going to go jump over to that premiere. I hope you have an amazing day. Please get your questions together for tomorrow. Super Danny, I appreciate you. Uh, Super Shelly Shell, I appreciate you. Have a wonderful day, and I will see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern uh, here on the Super Joe Pardo channel. Take care.